Well, I hope you are having a very Merry Christmas uh, so far. Uh, and I don't know about you, but it is just so encouraging to sing alongside all you guys and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just have a, a short message for you this morning. Hey, uh, if you know me, uh, you know that I'm uh, a little bit of a nerd and a little bit of uh, what I like to call frugal and what other people like to call cheapskate. Um, I don't like to spend money. I like a good deal. Uh, I'm not against spending money, but I do certainly like to save money uh, wherever I can. And uh, kind of where those two things intersect between being a nerd and saving money uh, are LED light bulbs. Uh, I don't know if you know about these, but they save a ton of money. And so uh, my wife and I just moved, but in our last house, I kind of went on a rampage against all of our light bulbs in the house. And I swapped over all of them because I was convinced that it was going to save us a ton of money in our electricity bills. I'm not sure that it ever paid off to switch out all the light bulbs for the upfront cost. Uh, however, I noticed something when I was doing it. Uh, on the box of a light bulb, it will tell you how much power it consumes. Uh, I noticed that you don't always want to go off of that because occasionally you need the room to be light enough to see what you're doing. I don't know about you, but uh, my wife is shaking her head back there because she knows where we're going with this. Uh, I uh, swapped out uh, the light bulbs in our basement, and I got the cheapest, most efficient, most energy uh, usage as far as like low power I could go. Uh, it took up, for those of you who are nerds like me, it took up five and a half watts, which if you are old and use the incandescent bulbs, uh, you would know that's about a half of one night light. Okay, so it is not very much light going on in there. And I swapped out our basement light bulbs, and they have like those little tiny basement windows. You know what I'm talking about? They are tiny, and it is difficult to see what you're doing. And I swapped those light bulbs out, and I was so proud of myself. And the first time Tammy goes down there, she goes, what did you do? Like, <laughs> you can't see anything in there. And I don't know about you, but that's like really frustrating. Um, my wife and I, you guys know, we, we just moved uh, I went down to our basement, and I'm still trying to figure out where all the light bulbs are. They're the, you know, the old school ones. You have to pull the chain, and then there's just an exposed light bulb up there. And so I went to go grab my phone out of my pocket to turn on my flashlight, and I realized I didn't have it. I didn't have it with me. It was upstairs somewhere, and it is the most frustrating thing trying to see what you're doing without adequate light. There's an interesting fact here in Scripture. Jesus calls himself the light of the world. Take a look with me at John chapter 8, verse 12. This is what it says. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus calls himself that so that we don't have to stumble. We don't have to go through life wondering, how can I be right with God? Wondering, how on earth am I supposed to do this? Do, do I need to go to church and read these certain scripture readings and do these call and responses and go through these hoops? And, and if I am just perfect and I uh, manage my behavior correctly, then I can connect with God. No, no, no. Jesus says, hey, I'm the light. I am the light of the world. And through me, that's the way you get to God. It's only through me, Jesus says. It's only through me. At the beginning of John's gospel, he starts his gospel off a little bit different way uh, that most do. Uh, you see Matthew and Luke, we've been talking about that recently. We've been talking about the cast of the Christmas story, and we've been talking about some uh, characters who normally get neglected. 
And Mark, he's just kind of out there. He just jumps right in. He's got a short gospel. John starts his way very differently, though. His gospel, his account of Jesus' story. He starts by saying, hey, listen, Jesus goes back way before 2,000 years ago. He goes back to the beginning of everything. Look at what he uh, starts his gospel out by saying. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear a witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, obviously, he's referring to Jesus here. He says the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. John starts off by saying, hey, listen, God knew. God knew that he was going to have to send his one and only son. Why? To be the light of the world. God knew that he would have to send his one and only son to be born and be put in this, a place, as how Dave put it, cows eat from. A place that is not worthy of a king, that is not worthy of God. That if I'm honest, I wouldn't even put my own baby in that. My wife and I have a four-month-old baby. I think if I put Asa in there, my wife would be like, what are you doing? Like, stop it, right? Like, why are you doing this? Why? Because that's not safe, right? There's all kind of jagged edges. There's this, I don't know, this is fake hay or something. I don't know what it is, but it would be real hay in real life, right? Like, that's not suitable for a baby. They're going to put that in their mouths. There's going to be animal just residue on it. We'll put it like that, right? I mean, this is just not good and yet God created the world knowing that he would have to send his one and only son to be born in a manger to live a sinless life to die a horrific sinner's death on the cross why on our behalf that we might be saved John in his gospel goes on to say he came to his own look at this and his own people did not receive him but to all who did receive him who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You have the right to become a child of God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for you. God the Father, by sending His one and only Son, has given you the right to become a child of God. And here's the amazing part about that. No one can take that away from you. No one can say you didn't grow up in the right household. No one can say you're not good enough. No one can say uh, you're just average. That's no good. God doesn't want you. God says to each and every one of you, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to call you my son. I want to call you my daughter. And I want to give you my light that will guide you, the Holy Spirit to live within you and to guide you and to comfort you when times are difficult. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus says this in his uh, famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand which gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the amazing thing that God has done for each and every one of us. He's given us a right to be called his son, his daughter. And now he says, you're the light 
not only is Jesus the light of the world, but he says, hey, listen, I work through you and you now are the light of the world if you have come to know me. As Paul puts it in his letter to the church in Ephesus, he says, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light, uh, sorry, are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. God's given you a plan. He's given you a purpose. And it involves walking in His light. He's given you amazing things to do. As Ephesians 2.10 puts it, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's given you a plan. He's given you a purpose. He loves you. And He sent His one and only Son to save you from a glorious throne room in heaven to a place where animals eat the manger. He gave up his child for you. Jesus went through that. Could you imagine Jesus in the throne room and God the Father turning to him saying, it's time. It's time to leave the throne and it's time to go be born in a manger, to go through life just as a normal, ordinary person would to be ridiculed, persecuted, and eventually hung on a cross to die. Jesus came for you. And he's here with us forever now, as we celebrated earlier, Emmanuel, God with us. And so today what we're going to do as we uh, end our message is uh, we're going to partake in communion. You'll notice that there's uh, one around you, either in the chair in front of you or underneath you, where depend- depending on where you're sitting. But before we do that, Scripture says that we all ought to examine our hearts before we partake in God's Supper. That we would examine our hearts to see where are we with you, Lord. So let's just do that just for a moment today, this Christmas morning. Would you examine your heart? And then we'll go into uh, partaking of this together. I'll close this out in prayer, but just take a moment and spend some time with the Lord.